Welcome to the Wednesday Night Bible Study through uh, our Facebook Live broadcast. Uh, my name is Josh Canales, and I'm the pastor of Mission Ebenezer Family Church. The great honor of serving this beautiful people, um, and uh, so thankful to be here tonight. I would like to open in a word of prayer, and I want to ask everybody to pray uh, for Pastor Traco uh, Rochelle. Pastor Traco was in a vehicle uh, accident on Monday, uh, so his car was totaled. Uh, but thankfully, Traco is is good. Thank God. We love you, Tra We love you, Tiff. Uh, we love uh, Kayla, Micah, uh, 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 Caleb, and of course, Gracie. Uh, but you guys are so special to us. And we're thankful, Traco, that you were okay, that you were not injured in that, um, that accident. Praise the Lord. Um, we pray that God provides you with a, a vehicle that will suit you and your needs that you have um, for all that you do. But most importantly, we're praying for um, your body, your neck, your back, um, <clears throat> asking God to just touch you. Um, even as you're there at the hospital right now, Pastor Traco's at the hospital, um, just suffering from the uh, two days post-accident uh, soreness in his neck and body. So He's really feeling it bad. So if you guys uh, could just join me right now as we lift up Pastor Traco. <laughs> Father, we come before you and we just ask that you would be with Pastor, um, who just uh, just a wonderful, wonderful encouragement to us all. Uh, Lord Jesus, we pray for uh, him and the other person who was involved in the accident. We thank God that nobody was gravely injured. We thank you that Traco is is okay, Lord God, uh, for all intents and purposes. And we also ask that you would be with him there at the hospital um, at urgent care. Father, we pray that you would uh, take away the soreness. We pray that there would be no lingering issues, that there would be no joint, uh, joint damage, Father God, in his neck, Lord Jesus, that there would be no disc issues in his neck or back, Father God, um, that although we know Pastor was shaken up, Father, in the accident, because it was a, a heavy-duty accident, we pray that he would recover um, 100%, Father God, and that it would be a speedy recovery. In the meantime, won't you uh, let your, your hand rest upon Tiffany as she balances um, caring for the needs of the kids as well as Traco's and also teaching um, her third grade class. Uh, Lord Jesus, if, if you were able to give her the time that she needed, Father God, to tend to her husband at this time, uh, that would be a blessing, Lord Jesus, for her. So, Father, we, we thank you and we love you. And we lift up um, our dear brother in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, guys, um, please pull up pull out your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And Pastor Koba taught on Ephesians 4 last week. He taught on the unity in the body of Christ and the different gifts that the body um, presents for everyone. And um, we're just so thankful for that. We're thankful for um, all the pastors and all the Bible teachers and preachers from our church who share that great responsibility. Um, but we are going to go ahead now and begin reading in Ephesians chapter 5. If you're joining in for the very first time, uh, we welcome you to Mission Ebenezer. We like to ask all those who are on the, the, the Bible study right now to go ahead and share with your group of friends, um, praying that this word might encourage them and, and um, that the Holy Spirit would grab a hold of our hearts. The Bible says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So beginning here in verses 1 and 2, Paul begins, he, he transitions from the body of Christ and the fivefold ministry of the body in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, equipping uh, all of the believers, all the saints for the work of the ministry. And then he now transitions into this statement of verse 1. He says, now be imitators of God. I don't know about you guys, man, but for me, that is a little intimidating um, because we know that we don't even compare to God. We know we couldn't even come close to God. We know that um, to try and imitate God uh, would really 
be a far cry from anything that um, we could ever do on our own power. But nonetheless, Paul says, be imitators of God. And I believe the biggest thing that Paul was talking about here when he says to be imitators of Paul, of God, was to be people that are saturated by love, the love of God, that is. He says, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what Paul was saying was simply be imitators in God in the fact that he loved us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that you can be an imitator of God by simply loving God, by loving yourself and by loving others? whether your neighbor or an enemy, uh, the Bible says that God sent us his son, Jesus Christ, even while we were yet sinners. And that's the greatest gift that Jesus could ever give anyone, could ever give any of us. That's to give us his son, Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is that he gave us um, Jesus to live in our hearts, to forgive us of our sins. And it's because of that great love that Jesus has for us and that the Father has for us that Paul says, let us imitate God in his love for the world. Verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. So Paul gets very practical right here. And he's going to go into a series of verses that probably going to give us a little bit of conviction, probably going to keep us honest, going to keep us on our toes, going to make sure that that we are not getting a little too loose with uh, our morality, with um, how we live, so that we can be uh, those who share love and also who bear the light of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. There cannot be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Pause there for a moment. Chapter 5, verse 4 of Ephesians is making sure that we watch our mouth, making sure that we watch what we think or how we act, whether we're at work, hanging around colleagues, co-workers that are cussing or or, or, or joking, or <clears throat> you guys know what we're talking about. We were, you were there one day. We all used to be there. Man, when I used to play uh, high school sports, college sports, professional sports, being in the locker room, um, you hear everything, you see everything, you experience everything. And Paul is telling us right here, if you're going to be imitators of God, number one, love everyone like God loves. Number two, you need to live a, a life of purity because God is holy. That's what he's saying. God is a holy God. So be a, a, a Christian that is filled with love and then be a Christian that is filled with holiness because God is holy. And because God is holy, God does not want us mixing in with the body of Christ or with him through the spirit, impurity of our flesh, of our mind, or of our speech so that we can be a better reflection of Christ to the world. <clears throat> so, so I think that's cool, and I think that's pretty straightforward for us as believers to make sure that, that we're not letting ourselves just kind of go with the flow, that we're not, um, you know being poor witnesses or poor examples of Jesus or a poor reflection of our church. Man, if we're out there in the world and we're living and acting and speaking and, and behaving um, in such a way that is, that is a poor reflection of Mission Ebenezer, and guess what? We got to reel it in. We got to pull, reel it in, pull it back, take inventory of, of how we're acting, how we're behaving, right? Don't just give in completely to the flesh. Take a moment. Let's check ourselves and let's get back on track. Because as my grandmother would say, that's not Jesus, baby. 
that's not Jesus, baby. She would tell us when we were kids, if we were uh, crying, if we were complaining, um, if, if we were giving her a hard time or having a bad attitude, she would say, that's not Jesus, baby. All right. <clears throat> so it says, instead of acting like a fool, it says, live a life of thanksgiving. Verse five, for of this, you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Remember, the kingdom of God starts now. The kingdom of God starts now. So Christ is calling us to behave on behalf of Christ right now here on earth where the kingdom of God has already been established. All right. So that we can be partakers in the kingdom of God so that we can be champions for Christ. All right. You want to be in the game. That means we got to do things the right way in the game. You play for a sports team. If you ever played it for a sports team, you know that in order to get in the game, you got to do things the right way. You got to do things the way the coach want, wants them to be done. And if you can't do them the right way, the coach is going to dismiss you. If you can't come to practice, if you can't be respectful, then coach is not going to give you any playing time. And Paul reminds us right here. He says, if, if we're going to live a life of sin and live a, a sinful life, what he's saying is he's, he's saying, then you will not, we are not going to be able to inherit the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus. But I want to inherit Christ and I want to inherit God. I want to inherit the kingdom of God right here, right now. Not just when I die, not just when I go to heaven, but right now. <clears throat> so verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. <clears throat> For you were once darkness. Okay, let me let me um, let me read this verse, and then we're gonna we're gonna pause here in verse eight. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So Paul says right here, he says, for you were once darkness. He didn't say you were, you once lived in darkness. He said you were once darkness. You were the darkness, not you lived in the darkness, because I think Paul wants to bring a heavy dose of conviction from the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to say is this. Darkness is not on the outside. Darkness is on the inside. Darkness comes from the inside, not the out. That's why we're not in the darkness. Paul says, before you were in Christ, you were the darkness. We were the darkness. We took the darkness with us before we knew Jesus. Before we knew God, we were the darkness. Now, I remember one time we were having a worship at church in the sanctuary. It was a powerful time of praise and worship. I mean, there was a, a tremendous move and presence of God in that place. And I remember somebody coming to me saying, Pastor, we have to make sure that we keep all the lights on and that we open up all the windows because God is light and God does not like dark. God does not like darkness and the sanctuary is too dark and, and worship should be different. And I thought to myself and I said, well, you know what? Darkness does not impact the person from the outside. Darkness is from the inside. And yes, God is light. And that's why you and I, when we have Christ, we are the light from the inside out. We take the light with us everywhere we go. The last couple of weeks, it's, we, it's been cold. The clouds have created an overcast um, environment, right, for all of us. 
And we're like, what? It's April. Why are we having this cold weather? Why is it so windy, right? Um, and it's been a little gloomy. Morning marine layer here in Los Angeles has been hanging around a little longer than it normally would, you know, for a couple of hours and the sun burns it right off. But recently, that that gloom has been hanging right here and staying put. And the other day we were at the game, it was dark and the wind was rolling in and Pop says, gloom is on the inside, not the outside, huh, mijo? And I said, yeah, that's right, dad. Gloomy weather cannot take the joy from anybody. Dark weather, a dark uh, worship center where the lights are low will not still the joy or not um, put any damper on the light that Jesus is in someone's life. No, light comes from within. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. He says, for you once were darkness. You took darkness. I took darkness wherever we went. But now we are the light in the Lord. So we must live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So in other words, you guys, we have to take the light with us wherever we go. That's right. You know, sometimes life happens. Sometimes we get in arguments at home. And that's normal. That's natural. That's part of communication. Sometimes we yell. Sometimes we scream. Sometimes we get mad at each other. But hopefully we're quick to forgive one another. Well, guess what? We quickly have to be reminded that we bear the light of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So Paul's being very practical here in chapter 5. He's, he's, he's going in after the things that Christians are allowing to be a part of their everyday life. Sometimes Christians even forget that we're Christians. Sometimes we we give in to the temptation of the enemy and we just say, Yo, you know what? God will forgive me. Or you know what? I just can't resist. Oh, you know what? This tastes so good. Or you know what? This is just feels so good to the flesh. Paul's reminding us, man, the kingdom of God is now. God wants us to inherit the kingdom of God now. And so we have to have self-control. Um, we have to ask the Lord to come into our heart, to fight that temptation so that we can walk with Jesus so that we can not only bear light, but we can also bear fruit. And by bearing fruit, that means that we choose Jesus over ourselves, that we decrease and Christ increases. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The days are evil. Okay, so here we are. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're, we're coming out little by little. We've been away from one another. Some of us have grown in Christ. Some of us have become a little stagnant. Some of us have become complacent. Some of us have um, grown away from God. Some of us, our hearts have been hardened because of situations, circumstances. Some of us have experienced loss, death, depression, and maybe we're, you know, at a place where we're trying to figure out, like, God, where are you? And God, why has this happened? Right? Maybe some people are, are mad at the church. Not Mission Ebenezer per se, but maybe Mission Ebenezer. Maybe it's some other church. Some people are upset with, with churches because people aren't, 
aren't doing things the way they want. And so they've distanced themselves from God. Well, guess what? Paul is saying that we got to come back to the light. We got to come back to demonstrating that the believer um, is living a life for Jesus Christ. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Right. So Paul says, hey, if you've let let yourself enjoy the, the pandemic a little too much, maybe alcohol has been a little too accessible. Right. Paul is saying, hey, let's reel it in. Let's let's exercise some self-control. Because we should not be looking towards that next opportunity to get drunk. We as Christians should not be leaning on substances or we should not be depending on substances because that's where vices can, can be born. That's where a life of addiction or life dependency can be born in the midst of a time like this, like the pandemic. So Paul is very practical with the people in, in Ephesus and he's saying, hey, guys, got to be careful. Got to be careful that we are not um, allowing ourselves to get carried away. And it's not just with with alcohol or wine or, you know, different things like that. It could be something that um, like binge watching television too much. Uh, gluttony It could be eating too much. It could be um, laziness, not working as hard as we should be working neglecting our responsibilities and cutting corners at work when nobody's around. Maybe you're working at home and maybe you're just not really motivated right now and things are different. Well, guess what? Paul is saying right now, the days are evil. So that means we need a little bit of uh, discipline in our lives. We need to ask the Lord to bring that godly discipline that we once had when we were at our best. You remember a time and a moment in your life when you were at your best? How old were you? Where were you? Was that college? Was it just out of college? Was it at the beginning of your career? Was it middle age or was it in your 50s or your 60s when you had all the discipline that God wanted you to have in Christ? You were disciplined in the, the Bible. You were disciplined in your prayer life. You were disciplined in physically... Um, taking care of yourself, the physical fitness, and not letting yourself go. Well, you're like, easy for you to say, Pastor Josh, you're just a, a skinny bone Jones. Like, you're right, but guess what? If I don't work out, man, I just get skinny. I just get skinny, but I, I got to put in work so I can keep these things, these things, these things rolling. I got to work hard. I got to get out to the park. I got to do my fitness. I got to I got to exercise whenever I have the opportunity to get in the exercise, whether it's practicing sports with my kids, whether it's weight training, um, whether it's working out with some of my buddies, brother Steve Salgado, um, or at my house in my garage. Man, guys, God wants us to have um, a discipline about our lives, a regiment about our lives, so that we're not just out there letting ourselves go, because that's a spiritual problem. If we let ourselves go physically, guess what? It's a spiritual problem. If we let ourselves go um, spiritually, guess what? It could be an emotional problem. If we let ourselves go financially, it's probably a financial, uh, a, a spiritual problem. So, so God wants us to be disciplined in a holistic way. God wants us to be a whole and complete Christian spiritually mentally, physically, um, athletically, right? Financially, the list goes on and on. God wants us to make sure that as Christians, we are living a life like a champion for Jesus. All right. Cause our church, our church is full of champions. And if you stick around long enough, you're going to, you're going to be challenged to live up to God's best for you. And I think that's so awesome. So look what he says in verse 19. Oh, you're going to crack up. Look what it says. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty awesome right there because those of us that have been living in homes that are filled with, with family, right? People, right? Folks just st st um, stacked on top of each other and you can't get away from family. Sometimes family gets on your nerves. Sometimes your, your little brother gets on your nerves. Sometimes your, your son or daughter gets on your nerves. Sometimes your mom or your dad get on your nerves, right? Um, sometimes the grandkids get on your nerves. Well, guess what? That's all part of life. It's all part of life. And Paul says right here, I don't know this, if this is really that, that realistic. I think this is like idealistic. He says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, you know, when, when you got a house full of three kids um, and, and they're yelling and they're screaming and you're about to go live on Facebook and start your Wednesday night Bible study, I don't know if there's a whole lot of hymn speaking, psalm speaking, or spiritual songs that are going on in that house. I think there's a whole lot of yelling and screaming and you need to settle down and you need to stop hitting your sister and, and you need to stop um, trying to boss your brother. There's a whole lot of that going on. So I don't know how much uh, hymn speaking and psalm reading and spiritual songs are going on, but I think what Paul's trying to say is this. Resist the temptation to go negative. Resist the temptation to call one another names. Resist the temptation to, uh, to, to, to say what you can't take back, right? You remember, you remember a couple weeks ago, I was talking about sticks and stones uh, may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's a lie, man. Words hurt and words go deep, man. Words go deep. Um, so, so yeah, Paul's just saying, Hey, look after each other, love each other, encourage one another, do your best. And if you can muster, um, the power to, to pull out a scripture, um, to, to encourage one of the kids, then go ahead and do it. But, um, Paul just wants to keep us on our toes. Now for the last portion of scripture here in, in Ephesians chapter five, this one is for married folks. All right. Or this is for or older folks, and, 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 and you want to pass this knowledge on to your son or your daughter. It starts in verse 21. Some Bibles have broken up this section and started with verse 22, Ephesians chapter 5. And this is a, a, a portion of scripture that I use a lot in premarital counseling. I use it in counseling couples that are married, that are going through challenges and difficulties. Um, and it's also just a wonderful reminder for parents who are dealing with, you know, issues with their kids, maybe behavioral issues, maybe academic issues in school, maybe having an attitude. There's a whole lot of stuff right here for the family. So these are habits for the home, habits for the home, Ephesians chapter six, beginning in verse 21. You must include verse 21 in the next few verses that we're going to read. Otherwise, it is, um, in my opinion, um, out of context. I don't believe it belongs to verses uh, 1 through 20 in chapter 6. I believe that verse 21 belongs to verses 21 through verses 33. So look what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So I think Paul is starting a new paragraph right here where he, where he really, he says, in addition... Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. That's his premise for this next um, portion of his, his short essay or his short letter in Ephesians chapter 5. Remember, his premise for the whole chapter is be imitators of God. Be folks who love God. Be folks who are holy. And do not be um, people that um, are living um, an impure life. So verse 21, he says, submit to one another, one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it continues. Here, here, Lola. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. All right, so pause for a moment. 
if we were simply to start with verse 22 and say, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. To me, that seems like it's a little bit out of context. And Paul may be speaking to a family situation, um, a domestic situation, but I don't think Paul would just out of the blue or out of left field, all of a sudden start off by speaking to wives as if they're the ones that are out of order or if they're the ones that need to be put in check or if they're the ones spiritually or biblically uh, that need to sub to, to um, submit themselves under their husband. No, I believe it begins in verse 21. And if you know the Bible, then you would know also that a godly love, a Christ-like love is a love where we submit to one another. As the pastor of the church, it doesn't mean that what I say goes. No, I may be the, the, the shepherd and my wife may be one of the shepherds that God has called to, to care for, to pray for, to help lead and to, to help organize our church so that we care for our congregation and so that we preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ with efficacy and, and efficiency. But guess what? We submit to one another. We as the pastors submit to you, just like the people of Mission Ebenezer submit to the pastors. So it's the same thing right here. We submit to one another, just like Christ submitted to the, the, the church and the church submits to Christ, right? Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have washed the disciples' feet. He would not have demonstrated a, a Christ-like servant leadership for his disciples in John chapter 13. He was exemplary in the way he demonstrated what submitting to one another looks like. Peter was like, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you, have, you will have none in this. You will have none of what the kingdom of God is. You will not be able to partake in anything that the kingdom of God um, is comprised of. And so Peter says, well, I take that back. Well, then wash my whole body. <laughs> and that's what Paul's saying right here. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says, first, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Yes and amen. The husband is the head of the family. The husband is the head of his home. If there's a husband, um, if you're not married, and you're living together, guys, guess what? You're not the head of, of that woman that you live with. You ain't. You ain't. You try to, um, you try to get the cookies before you, you, pay, you paid the person at the register, right? But if you read the book of Ex Exodus chapter 22, you will see it. The Bible says that if any man has taken the virginity of a young woman, guess what? He not, not only has to pay the, 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 the bride price, but he also has to marry the woman. Right. So if, if if anybody is living together and they're not husbands and wives, then guess what? You are not the head of anybody. You need to put a ring on that finger, walk down the aisle, and then you can then say, yes, I do. And then, men, you become the head of the woman that God has blessed you with. Because the Bible says if a man has found a, a wife, he has found a good thing. It doesn't say if the man has found a woman, he's found a good thing. It says if, if a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. And that means somebody who is committed to him in covenant, not by sexual relations. Sexual relations does not um, connote um, marriage. It's not a spiritual marriage. No, it is not. It is marriage is a, is a contract that is bound that is that is binding between a man and a woman when he commits himself to her and she commits her, herself to him in the sight of God and all of the witnesses that are there to bless and say yes and amen. So guess what, guys? If it, women, if y'all are living together, you're not the head of her. So so women, let me tell you this: he's not the boss of you. And guess what? And you're not the boss of him. And so guess what? Go get married. Oh, but pastor, if you knew how much money I would have to pay my ex-wife, we're still married, but we're not together. We're legally separated, but we live together. My, my, new, my new woman, oh, my new husband, we live together. Man, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Jesus don't care about how much money you need to pay and alimony or palimony. 
We should have, we should have thought about those things. We should have thought about those things a long time ago. I'm not trying to heap guilt on anybody, but we see straight all the way in the book of Exodus, Moses said, if any man has taken the virginity of a young woman, then he's got to go to her dad and say, you know what? I slept with your daughter. Here's the, here's the price for a bride because that's called dowry. And that's what they did in those days. So they had to pay the father of the young lady, the, the dowry, the money that, that the, the father was requiring for his, his daughter. And virginity is very important. Our society and culture has lost the significance and the importance of virginity. Virginity is very important, not just for young ladies, but for men as well. That's why Boomi and I, we are raising our kids to, to, to preserve their virginity, to, to save themselves from marriage, to not sleep with a, a young girl and to not sleep with a young boy or a man outside of the context of marriage. That, th those are holy things. Those are, that's what Paul's talking about right here. Do not let um, the, the sexual immorality be a part of our lives. And we in the church have made so, so many, um, we have made so many concessions for different varieties of living and different varieties of, of, of home life and circumstances and situations. And we just sit back as parents and we tell our kids, Oh, you know what? Hey, well, at least he's a good guy, or at least she's a good guy, or, you know, um, you know, at least they're happy. No, that's not what the Bible says. Happiness has nothing to do with it. Being a good guy or a good girl has nothing to do with it. Teach your sons and daughters to remain virgins and to, 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 to not give up the cookies until it's time, until they walk down the aisle, until that dude says, I do, until she says, I do. And until then, you know what, if you're engaged, being engaged doesn't give you the right to sleep together because I've counseled with several people in premarital counseling that broke up and didn't get married um, after doing premarital counseling or during premarital counseling. They've just said, you know what? I don't think we're supposed to be married, Pastor. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I asked their hard questions. But guess what? We as the church, we as Christians got to stop um, living according to the, the, the standards and the moral standards of the world, the moral standards of society, Christians, believers, men and women of God, people of Mission Ebenezer Family Church, do the right thing, get divorced, and then get married again. Stop living in sin. You're not living under the blessing of God. You want God's blessing. You want God's favor. You want God's anointing. Guess what? Don't be surprised why we are not living and under the blessing of God because we're living outside of his will. We're not living according to the word of God because we don't read the word of God. We don't allow the conviction of the word of God to, to mess us up. We are just deflecting the Holy Spirit. We are ignoring the word of God and we're continuing to live in our same old sin. Same old stinky sin. Sin is sin. It don't matter. It doesn't matter if, if someone, the Bible says, it doesn't matter what our vice is or what sin that we are living in. Guess what? Sin is sin. And God wants us to separate ourselves and live a life that is worthy of the cross of Calvary. So, hey, guess what? Um, Y'all, let the word bring conviction. And if there's conviction in your heart and in your life, take it to Jesus. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. And, um, and I'm just being Josh. This is who I am. And I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. I lived in sin uh, in, my, in, in the past. And guess what? I don't want to live in sin. I want to obey God. I want to live in God's will. I want to do right by, by the word of God. I want to be a good example for my kids. I want to be a holy life. I'm, I'm expected to live at a higher standard because I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I'm a missionary. I'm a believer. I'm a son of the most high God. And guess what? I know the Bible tells me that there's a higher standard that I have to live up to. And I'm okay with that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said yes. The Bible says, consider the cost before you make any decisions. Luke in chapter 14 says, doesn't a man sit down? Doesn't a woman sit down and consider the cost before they begin building the house? 
before you build the house halfway and realize you ain't got no money to finish the job? Well, no. When God says, hey, you're going to follow me, follow me. You're going to walk with me, walk with me. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be a student, a pupil. That means that you reserve the right to, the, to, give, to be given to the master, to execute authority, and to execute the, 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 the boundaries and the limitations of how the student is able to execute the life that he, he or she is being called to live. So, thank you, Paul. He says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I didn't stutter. Everything. Our wives should submit to husbands just as the church, we, the body of Christ, submit to Christ. Right? But let's continue. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Give me one second. I got to get my plug in. So, Paul's saying, hey, guess what, guys? Jesus gave himself for the church, for all of us. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus lived to die. Jesus lived for the purpose of the church, being able to become the church. And we don't just become the church overnight to build the church, to build the body, for you and I to become a believer of Jesus Christ, it takes time. But we have got to mature. And part of that maturity is called obedience. Part of that obedience is called giving God the right to speak into our lives and allowing spiritual leaders the right to be able to, to teach and preach the word of God through exhortation in order to bring the church to the place where it can be prepared to become the bride of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus will prepare the bride of Christ. And that means we have to do our part. We have to allow Jesus to work in our lives and in our heart. So let's continue. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So there it is. But we want to be stubborn. We don't want God to be able to do the washing in our hearts or in our lives because we want to live our own life. We don't want nobody telling us what to do. I ain't seen God. I ain't seen Jesus. Where is Jesus? All I got is the Bible, right? But no, we got to get to doing the right thing. And Paul is not mincing words. Paul is not mincing words and neither am I. I am not mincing words. I am not mincing words. It is not the job of the pastor to prepare people for marriage. If people want to uh, head towards marriage, they need to head towards marriage. If people know they need to get married, they need to get married. Right? If, if, if husbands and wives, or excuse me, if, if, if uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, they've been living together forever and they got kids, get married. Well, God knows my heart and God, yes, God knows your heart. God knows that we're being stubborn. We're being disobedient. And God knows that we're, we care more about money than about trusting in God, trusting in faith by faith that God will take all of our situations, all of our mistakes, all of our shortcomings, all of our sin, and he would wash us as white as snow. The Bible says he takes our sin and casts it into the deepest part of the sea. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he will remember our sin no more. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, verse, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or it means and he will make your paths straight. So what does it mean? Oh, but we try to be too slick. We try to be too cool. We try to we try to work the system. We try to outsmart things and outsmart people. We try to we try to do things in a way like if God doesn't understand. But God does understand. God knows exactly the situation that we're going through because he's right there with us. He's saying, trust me, take the next step. Take the next faithful step of your life so you can make her an honest woman and so you can become an honest man because your kids ain't getting any younger. And if we're Christians and we want to live for Jesus and we want to live according to the word of God, then that means we need to bring our, our lives in order and in line with the word of God so that your kids can be blessed and your kids can do what is godly and holy in the sight of God. So it says, Jesus gave himself for the church so that the church would be holy, right? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So he's given us the word of God. Tonight, we're getting the word of God. I'm getting a healthy dose of the word of God. The words that I'm speaking right now are affecting me, not just you. They're affecting me. I'm the pastor. I have to be accountable to God. I am accountable for what I say and what I don't say. I am accountable for what I teach and what I don't teach. I am accountable for what I preach and what I don't preach. I am accountable for what Mission Ebenezer believes is the word of God and believes is okay or not okay. And so God sets the tone in my life, through my life, within the body of Christ. That's all biblical. It's all biblical. And I'm okay with that because I got to go to bed at night, put my head on that pillow and know that I obeyed the Lord and that I trusted in him because I want you to trust in him. I want you to step out in faith like you've never stepped out in faith. I want you to go ahead and say, God, help me to order and prioritize the things that are out of order and that are out of priority in my life. And watch God begin to bring the things together. You'll start tithing. You'll have more money than you can count. You'll stop wasting money. The holes that used to be in your pockets, God will sew them up and close them. In the book of Haggai, it talks about how people were spending the money that belonged to God on themselves. And it says that the bags that they had to keep their money had holes in them. Man, when we didn't know the Lord, we used to blow through money. And then when we came to know Jesus, we began to manage our money better. And then when we began to tithe, we then took better care of the 90% that he gave to us because now we were God-fearing, holy people being washed by the word of God, teaching us to do what God wants us to do for the purposes of being a light in the world, witnesses by of Jesus Christ to the world so that people can come to the knowledge and the salvation of Jesus Christ and inherit eternal life and the kingdom of God here on earth and have their sins forgiven. And what's that mean? God wants to use you, but he can't use you to the fullest because we've not allowed him to. We're living under too much guilt. We're living under, we're, we're, we're walking under shame and guilt and under the cloud of sin, under the cloud of disobedience. But Jesus wants to wash us. Jesus wants to cleanse us. Jesus wants to set us free. Jesus wants to, to, to get our taxes in order. Jesus wants us to get our finances in order. Jesus wants us to get our home and our families in order. So watch. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So a husband is not put in a position of authority so that he can lord it over his wife. So that he can lord it over her. So that he can become oppressive. So that he could become a tyrant. So that he could become domineering. So that he could become harsh. So that he could become, um, you know, uh, the most difficult person to deal with. No. Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for the church. That means he sacrificed his life for the church. That's what a husband's got to do. He's got to love his, his bride. 
He's got to he's got to sacrifice himself for his bride to protect, to to provide, to preserve his wife. Excuse me. Just like he loves himself. After all, nobody hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just like we feed our bodies and we take care of our bodies. Therefore, we care, we care for our spouses. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, Genesis 2, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. One flesh, not two. That means the wife cannot fully learn to love the, the husband until the, the husband fully learns to, to care for and love his wife. Selflessly. Not selfishly. Selflessly. Sacrificially, learning to put her first, learning to care for her, learning to listen to her and the things that she says that she needs. And then you could become one flesh. And then everything else takes off after that. For real. Everything else takes off. I'm in year 18 of our marriage, Boomy and I, and it keeps getting sweeter and better, richer. And deeper, more intimate, fuller. I, 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 don't, I, I mean, I'm running out of words to describe what marriage after 18 years is like when, when you truly submit to God. And when I learn to submit to my wife. And when she learns to submit to me. Don't, don't get it twisted. She got to submit to me too. Boomy, submit. Boomy, submit. Submit, submit, submit. Josh, submit. Josh, submit. Yes, I submit to Boomy. What you need, baby? What can I do, babe? What can I do for you? How can I, how can I uh, serve you? Right? You need a massage. You look tired. Come here, baby. Let me massage your feet. No, don't, don't touch my feet. I don't do feet. Okay. Let me massage your your neck and your shoulders. Okay. You can massage my neck and my shoulders. <laughs> Praise God. I'm having too much fun. Okay, we're wrapping up right here. I'm just uh, being myself. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So he talks about uh, submission, love, respect, talks about I mean, a whole bunch of other good stuff. So I hope today tonight was helpful. Um, if you, if your husband's not a believer, or if your wife is not a believer, Paul says, you love your husband, you love your wife. Um, and do not go asking for a divorce just because they're, they're not a Christian. You married them when they were not a Christian and they married you just the way you were, whether you were a Christian or not. And that's Romans chapter seven. That, that's probably for another day, but, uh, it's all the same. It's all the word of God. God has called us to love to, to one another, to care for one another. God has called us to look after each other and, and family. And um, chapter six, he goes into other stuff about children and parents and all that other good stuff, honoring your father and your mother. So next week is going to be a great one. You don't want to miss it. Please put it on your calendar. Remind yourself about ne next week's uh, Bible study. God bless you, brother Al. Love you. Um. And uh, congratulations on on being a grandpa, Alfred. Um, that's awesome. So I love you guys. Hey, um, if you need to want to give your life to Jesus Christ, right now is as good of time as any. Mission Ebenezer is under construction, literally and um, theoretically. We are remodeling our sanctuary. We are reconstructing the way our church is being run. We are reconstructing um, the way we make disciples, our growth tracks. Um, we are reorganizing, restructuring everything at our church. It is a time for change. I'm excited about it. I love the change that's happening. Um, I pray that you embrace it, that you pray about it, and that you dive on in because God wants to use you. Um, in the body of Christ. And if you are new and want to learn more about our church, just go to our website, 
uh, www.missionebenezer.org. Um, maybe maybe one of you guys can type that in one of the comment boxes. One of you guys that's following along from the church, if you could type in our our church um, website right there, I would appreciate it. And and that'll help uh, all those who are new to our church go and visit our website. You can learn about where God is taking us, and it's it's just really awesome. It's really awesome. And um, but if you want to give your life to Jesus. And the things that I was saying today, um, you have recognized and discerned the truth that is behind it. I, I want to encourage you to consider asking Jesus to come into your heart and into your life. All right. So if that's you and you want to invite Jesus to come into your life, um, I would like to lead you in that prayer. And I know there are others who are following along with us right now that are praying for you, have been praying for you, have been praying that that um, you would be among uh, those that would be counted in um, the, the body of Christ. And so um, if you'd like to invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you'd like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and you'd like to begin a new life um, as a new creation uh, through Jesus by faith, um, trusting that and believing that Jesus is God um, and that he died for your sins and mine, and then on the third day, he was raised from the dead. The Bible says, anybody who calls upon the name of God shall be saved. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus truly is God, then you will be saved. So um, I want to invite you to pray with me. And I want to thank all of you guys who um, were on the, the Bible study lesson. Those of you that are praying for your children that are not walking with the Lord right now, keep praying for them. Pray specifically for them. Pray um with uh, precision pray specifically for the things that you desire to see in them pray that for the things that you desire um, in their future relationships their future husbands or wives their future children that God would would bring them back to him that he all things would be redeemed and covered by the blood of Jesus the things that I touched on today that which were tough um, guess what they are meant to bring conviction if you felt a little guilt, that's okay. That's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to the place of recognizing truth and holiness that um, that that is God, because God is holy and God is truth. And so that's okay. What that means is we, you have to make a decision how you're going to respond. Are you going to harden your heart to God and to his word? Or are you going to listen? Are you going to obey? And are you going to respond in such a way that will begin to bring you back on that relationship with God? That's just the bottom line. That's what the Word of God is. And and that's why we teach and preach the Word of God. Um, we don't expect anybody who is not a believer or a Christian to understand these principles and these things. Although the Word of God has been impressed and burned upon the hearts of all, that's why we believe that it is um, that we um, bring people to that, that place. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, for um, your grace. We thank you that you're a loving God. You're a compassionate God. Even in the book of Exodus, you gave the people of Israel your law. You expected them to follow your law, but you also had scriptures in there that talked about the compassion that you had towards those who were less fortunate. And so we ask, Lord, that you would um, be uh, merciful to us and those who are in need of mercy, but that you would bring us to a place of repentance. And that repentance simply means that we are saying, I'm sorry, Lord, we want to start a new life and we want to get our lives in order with you. And so, Lord, we are turning from uh, away from a life of sin, uh, a life of darkness. While we were, we were the darkness and we were walking in darkness everywhere we went. We were we were living, um, we were living the darkness, not living in the darkness. Because as Paul says, we were the darkness in in chapter one, uh, uh, chapter five, verse one, um, and following, uh, verse verse eight. Excuse me, chapter five, verse eight. Lord Jesus, and so Lord, we pray that we would become the light, Lord God. So forgive us for our sins, Lord Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord, and we ask that you would um, make us one of your children your children of light. 
Lord, we, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, amen, amen. Hey, if you made that decision um, to invite Jesus to come into your life, if you've asked God to forgive you of your sin, and you want to learn more about how to grow in Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to go to our website at www.missionebenezer.org and fill out the connect form right there on our website towards the bottom. You simply fill out the connect form and press submit. Make sure you type in the correct email. We'll respond to you right away. We'll send you a new believers packet. We'll get you plugged into uh, the ministry here at the church and get you plugged into one of our small groups where you can uh, begin to grow in the word of God. You grow in fellowship with one another and be encouraged with people who are also um, wanting to, to walk with Jesus and, and, and work that thing out. So God bless you. We hope to see you this Sunday at church, 9 a.m. in person um, at the church, 415 West Torrance Boulevard, Carson, California, 90745. Again, 415 West Torrance Boulevard, um, Carson, California, 90745. Or you can follow us online through our live uh, worship services and, um, and be blessed that way. Until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.